another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez and today I'm here with Dr. Mamotabo Masela from South Africa. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me this morning. How your visit has been here in Rochester, Minnesota. We had a chance to meet us to meet I think last year, a couple years ago, when we were taking a class on health disparities and you're back in the United States and you're working uh, in a project, doctor, in uh, on cardiovascular disease, correct? Is that your, is that your um, focus on your career? Yes, um, I'm actually a, a qualified cardiologist. Um, and then um, I've been doing a lot of projects uh, strictly in uh, focus on cardiovascular disease. Okay. Um, and what led me to come to May, in fact, I've been in May from 2012, where I did um, my PhD thesis collaborative so in South Africa. So you've been here coming back and forth since 2012? I've been here full time between 2012, the beginning of 2012 to middle of uh, 2015. That's where I was doing my PhD and I finished uh, my thesis there. Then it's I continued as a research collaborator. Did so somebody in your family um, uh, work in the health field? How did you get into the medical field? Um, I guess I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> Are you well, the first one in your I'm, family? I'm, in fact, I'm the very first one from the entire Matsela family. Um, no one in, in my family is went to the medical field. No one okay. is called Dr. Matsela, so I'm the only one. Oh, so you're the South first Africa, one. Yes. Well, I guess you will be a great influence in, for the yes. rest of so other too. generations. So how was your, where did you grow up in South Africa, being such a big country? Well, I've been all over South Africa. I was born um, in the Limpopo province. Okay. Um, Can you describe where is that on the map? South it's, it's, it's in the north. Okay. It was called the northern province before close to Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was born, bred and bred there. I did my primary and secondary school there. And then um, after my high school, I went to medical school in the Medical University of South Africa, which is in Pretoria in Gauteng. Okay. That's the famous province, I guess, in South Africa. That's where Johannesburg, Pretoria. Yeah, I remember. Yes, yes. So I did my undergraduate training there for six years for my medical degree. I remember during the World Cup mentioned that city Pretoria or the region. Yes. And uh, so how long... How long, when you were going to medical school, you have to get out of your town to to go to that school? Yeah, it's, it's roughly three-hour drive okay. from home to the medical school. So I stayed in the medical school for six years. And then after finishing um, my studies, um, I did an internship, mm -hmm. which is one year after your six year of training. And how, I how was during those years... During the transition when uh, Mandela was getting into the politics scene after being in jail, can you describe that to us? Well, I can describe that because it was the time when I was in high school and then uh, from there I went into um, university. I remember we had a, uh, the, time he, the time he came out, I remember the very same year, 
there were marches all over the country. And was, was he still in prison? Oh, that's when he that's was campaigning. That's when he came out. Yeah. Okay, he yeah, came out. I was still young, but yeah, some he was of, all over. Yes. So it, the entire thing, it was all over. I remember, and in my area, buses were hired for all school kids to go to meetings and to be supportive of him. Okay. And then for the whole year, we didn't even go to school. Wow. Because some schools were banned. And I guess it was just fighting for, you know, democracy, the way you look at it. But So how was before that? How was the politics? And it was like a, always one party in power? or Yes. It, it, it was like that. It was more one-sided. Well, I was still young at that time, but what I learned from the elderly mm -hmm. is that things were even tougher for them. Yeah. Because the certain areas which were purely... You couldn't get for, it. Yeah, yeah, you can't get it for a certain... Um, well, what, what about the school group? system? How was that? Um, it was completely different. I went to one of these poor schools. So, so back then, uh, you, as a black woman from South Africa, you couldn't go to some colleges or, or to medical school? It was very difficult. And uh, to prove that I'm the very first one from my uh, family to get into um, a university to become a doctor. Even in that big region, I'm the very first doctor to come from that region. Wow. So it, the, the schools, where, closest schools where I've, I've been living, um, I'm the only doctor so far, which it was more of a challenge. It was uh, even a surprise for mm -hmm. my teachers to see me getting into a medical school. But um, there's a lot of improvement so far compared to those days, yeah. And... Um, so you got into medical school and seeing all that grassroots movement, how did that uh, translate into the work that you do? You're presenting, uh, recently you published a paper, uh, scientific paper on a project for how to help the most vulnerable communities in South Africa with cardiovascular disease. Can you describe a little bit the publication? Um, yeah, well, um, I'll say, let me take it as more of a registry. Um, a registry? Yes, because um, from my upbringing in, in the area where I grew up, that those are very impoverished areas. Mm -hmm. And when I was, I remember when I was a student, we had uh, children uh, dying of cardiac disease. And wow, people kids. Couldn't under yes. And I learned a lot from that. I, there's one thing which is important I didn't mention. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in school, I, I once got ill for a week or two, and I got admitted to a hospital. And there was a question whether I had rheumatic fever or something like that. And that What kind of fever? Rheumatic fever. Rheumatic oh. fever is more of an infection. Okay. We, you start with like um, upper respiratory tract infection, like sore throat, mm. and then you end up with the the heart being damaged, even the kidney and other organs. Okay. But sometimes it can be something mild that it just, you know. So they all. thought you had that first. Yeah, I also thought that. So I was admitted for two weeks. I couldn't go to school. And I had challenges even to get into the hospital because mm -hmm. we had difficulties with transport. So I learned a lot from that. And I think that's what triggered me to become a doctor and become a cardiologist. At what age was this? Um, I think I was like, 11 years. Okay. And that's the um, rheumatic fever commonly, I guess, between the age of 5 and 15. And is that so common on development countries? It is. It's okay. quite common in South Africa. We're actually trying to eradicate it now. Okay. So that thing, I think, that experience 
I think intrigued me to, to become a, a doctor and become a cardiologist. But um, let me touch on, on the... Quest, qu just a quick question. Okay. So the, now that we find out the cardiovascular disease and diabetes is epidemic pretty much ar around the world. Yes. Has that has been increasing in South Africa now with more, um, how you say, processed foods? Is, do you guys see in, uh, uh, growth? In terms of diabetes, yeah, yeah, well, as as the country also, yes. you know, grows and, and yes, um, and now that the prevalence of diabetes is actually going up, that there's so many incidences now of diabetes, um, in in the ethnic groups which we thought they were poor before, we were not seeing that it's diabetes and hypertension, and we see a lot of cardiovascular disease related to those risk factors, you often see it now even in young people run about yeah. between 25 35 what was before the i don't want to say the traditional food or more yeah i guess what people used to eat before the development came in was that a healthy diet or you think it was more active lifestyle i that there's lot of changes in terms of the socioeconomic structure in South okay. Africa the environment now and the level of education. Um, More sedentary lifestyle? Yes. Um, before, we, it was just purely more impoverished communities in the areas where I grew up. And then we were doing a lot of farming. farming. We get, okay. Yes, so, so we were getting good, healthy food from, you know. Grow your own. Yes, yeah. from the farms and we weren't getting this processed food and stuff like that so things have changed quite a lot and people tend to move to the urban areas now they live this high class lifestyle and they eat you know unhealthy food mm -hmm. from my, and so from and I that's cheaper too the healthy i mean the unhealthy food is usually cheaper than the yeah it's a little bit cheaper things are a bit cheaper in south africa mm -hmm. compared to here but yeah. things have changed in terms of socioeconomic structure, prevalence of disease that, that you will call disease of the modern age and, and things like that. But things have changed quite dramatically. And, and talking about diabetes, um, as a cardiologist in the few months that I've been home, I've been seeing a lot of diabetics coming with heart attacks. Especially Do you see younger also people? Younger, yeah, blacks now compared to before. we. I hardly see black patients with, especially oh, yeah. the 30s, 30s coming with a heart Can you attack. describe to our friends who are listening and probably if they're not familiar with type 2, type 1 diabetes, what um, is the difference? So they, they Type 1 diabetes is usually a disease of the young patients, more okay. autoimmune, so they've got insulin um, deficiency. And sometimes that hereditary. Right. Yeah, usually they're young. They know the young ones. They develop it. Yeah, type 2, the old people, they're obese. It's more insulin resistance. They're completely different. It's more related to the unhealthy lifestyle. Yes, the type 2. The type 2, yes. okay. And how how your paper, can you tell us a little bit about your project? Yeah, um, I mean that's a big project. I'm glad I, um, I had an exposure to do a health disparity courses while I was here. So my work is mostly on heart failure in impoverished communities. So um, I've uh, there, there has been a registry in mm -hmm. South Africa for heart failure, but I realized heart failure. Okay. yes, but I've I've realized that what people have published before it wasn't a true reflection of what 
what's happening in terms of heart failure in South Africa and Africa. So um, I've assisted improving the, the registry mm-hmm. and um, I'm strictly focusing on heart failure. I've started in a one center, but planning to spread it to other centers. Okay. So we've started in Durban, we, we've developed this registry and then patients with heart failure who are referred to our center in, in, in Durban, um, most of them will come to a collab and that's where we do echoes and detect those patients. Okay. And then we include them into the registry. So for um, a I was year, reading also the when they were coming, sometimes they were coming too late when it's already too advanced. The yeah, it is. It's, it's more. It is a problem because most of our patients present late and mm-hmm. um, or get diagnosed late. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just uh, some beliefs from other people because oh. some, you know, mostly the impoverished people, they still have those old beliefs where they go to traditional healers, oh, they okay. try other things, mm-hmm. and the time they come to doctors is a bit late. Okay. Unfortunately, we catch them late. Is that because also beliefs and also because access to healthcare the, the, or both? The, the, there's a lot of factors. Um, uh, if you look at the, the project so far, 73% uh, are at the low socioeconomic, which is more mm-hmm. blacks. Mm-hmm. And um, but they they use um, traditional medicine. Okay. And then the other thing, because of still, because there's poverty still in those areas, that there's poor access to tertiary institution. So they get seen in the peripheral hospitals or clinics. Mm. Some of them might even be missed. And then... The minute they come to us is a little bit late. So there's multiple factors which contribute to this. But I still blame it on... Um, what is the population on black population versus uh, Caucasian percentage-wise in South Africa? Um, you mean in terms of the, the heart the whole, The whole population? Um, over 80% overall. is small blacks. and then 80? Over, yes. Over 80? Yes. Um, Caucasian is, is less than 10%. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's in, in the area where I've started the, my project in Durban, it's predominantly blacks, mm-hmm. and then a higher percentage of Indians. That's okay. the Durban area. But comparing it to Limpopo, where I was born, you said ninety-five percent of blacks there. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, okay, just to add more on 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 the the registry that I'm doing. Um, as, like I said, it's just it's, it's a registered heart, South African heart failure registry, an epidemiological study. Um, we've started this in from. Um, we started retrospectively from 2012. Okay. So I was here mid 2012, but I had the idea in mind, and that's the reason it was easier when I went back home uh, to continue this. Um, so far, and you're doing this with the university and a hospital down there, yeah, in a collaboration. With I'm, I've, we're doing it with hospitals. Oh, okay. but first, um, we like I said, we started with one center, which is in Durban, is King Edward Hospital, mm-hmm. um, and then from there, there's other centers which are coming in now. We've got one center coming in from the Bloemfontein, and then uh, Limpopo Province. Okay, so. I thought it's, it's going to be easier if you are in, in one area and see what happens in the area that you can have full control. And what are, are some of the questions the, the participants are asked when they do that survey? 
day? What what are you actually really learning about the access or or treatments for the participants? Yeah, there's quite a lot of questions because first you have to evaluate for the symptoms of heart failure, and and that's what we ask them, um, and then um, the treatment. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different options, and you find patients from different centers, they come with different treatment, even if based on the guidelines, national and international guidelines, um, there's strict treatment for heart failure. Okay. Yeah, so it's predominantly symptoms and uh, treatment. Other things are their socioeconomic background. They, they've got, most patients have got difficulties in that area. So. And how was the first step that you took to create this uh, network, meaning for somebody who's learning and, and they want to do community engagement, what was your first approach? Who do you contact when you had this idea and then you had to do the pitch, you know, bring the idea? You mean at home? I, yeah, I, back, It was very in. easy because I was working and um, I did my post, um, I, I did postgraduate training in Durban. Okay. And then I, from there I did cardiology. So while I was doing cardiology, um, we had a heart failure clinic. And that's where I strictly oh. looked in impoverished communities and I looked in um, heart failure in pregnant women, especially the peripartum cardiomyopathies. So that's where this thing started. So even when I came to Mayo in 2012, we had a heart failure clinic, but it was not more of a registry. Then um, from my experiences here and having taken courses in health disparities, then um, I implemented all the experiences I have gained from, from the Mayo Clinic. It's, it, it's way too easy for me because when I was trained in cardiology, I could see all the challenges mm -hmm. and then um, try to implement them. Um, I mean, try and come up with, with um, solutions to deal with the, those challenges. But the other thing, my head of department was supportive when I was in Durban, and then we have Professor Mayos in University of Cape Town, also did a lot of work in, in heart failure. He did his PhD in Oxford, and um, we talk a lot about heart failure. Okay. Yes. Well, congratulations on the publication and uh, so all much. the good work that you're doing, and now you were sharing with me that now you're learning and you're getting involved in another project with Image Gene. Yes. Yeah. Can you describe a little that work that you're doing now? Okay, before going to yeah. that, let me add one or two sentences yes. on this project. Yes. Um, apparently, after I've started this, the, the London School of Economics and Political Science uh, were very interested in what I was doing and oh. that I did PhD here and other stuff. So I've they've enrolled me into um, the course. Um, it's more of a, an executive master's in... in health, um, cardiovascular health economics, which I'm excited about. I'm going to start it in September. So I'm going to apply the registry as part of my thesis for, for the course, which mm. will be two years. And then going back to what I'm doing here now, um, mm -hmm. which is strictly imaging, I'm focusing on myocardial mechanics, which is echocardiography. I work strictly on constrictive pericarditis. Is that when they put some liquid or, and then you can see the image yes it's non-invasive they don't have to prick you or do anything it's, okay. it's just an ultrasound okay 
the way ultrasound is done, ultrasound of the heart, then you see the entire structure of the heart. Who is like. the typical person who gets those uh, images? Who can you request that when you go on your typical yearly checkup? Or, or is people who already uh, has been uh, diagnosed with a heart failure or cardiovascular disease? Um, in fact, the, the, the echocardiography is also part of uh, screening. Okay. Yes, for primary screening, echocardiography is part of it. But After if 40 or, or? It's, it's purely the heart. Okay. But talking about mechanics, because the echo, uh, the advanced echo aspect that I'm doing on myocardial mechanics, mm -hmm. there's a term called speckle tracking echocardiography. That's what I'm working on, where you look at the deformation of the heart. So what happens is, with the standard echo uh, techniques that we're using and people have been using in the past, um, it's difficult to detect that the patient has got heart or myocardial dysfunction early. In other words, subclinical dysfunction with the standard echo. So the um, speckle tracking is one sensitive marker. So who would it be the ideal candidate? Somebody who has uh, cardiovascular disease in their family history? that you want to prevent? I, I did it should be applied to everyone. Everyone. Because like I said, it's part of screening. Okay. And then if your heart is normal, that's okay. But if, if you listen. Well, I, I'm just thinking, you know, because insurance, a lot of now we're in, involved in this world where it's like, oh, insurance don't cover this. Only cover. That's why I'm trying to think, okay, who would be covered to ask for this type of, of uh, prevention uh, treatment? Because like you mentioned, this is the ideal. There is hard to catch early, but with something like this, is is doable. Or yeah, you can it, yeah, I understand what you're saying from from the insurance standpoint. Um, in fact, um, my current mechanical assessment using echo is now advocated to be used on on daily clinical practice. Okay, uh, it's not into clinical pra daily clinical practice yet, but this is something that is being advocated. Oh, hopefully and I hope we will see that in future. So that's the reason. It's part of my thesis. Okay. And that's the reason I took it and saw that, oh, there's, there are things which are, are easily missed mm -hmm. with, with the standard methods that we use to assess somebody with heart dysfunction. Um, so um, I worked on, on constriction, which I strictly focused on my mechanics using speckle tracking, strain, echocardiography. And I've developed few projects already in South Africa using the technique. Okay. Yes. And you were mentioning to me, you're going back to South Africa next week. I'm going to South Africa next week, Tuesday. So what happened after I finished my yeah. PhD, I've been a research collaborator. Um, and then I had a few papers with Mayo. Okay. Some. I'm, I'm so you finished your PhD, were you going back home? And you going back to work with, or you still collaborate? You're gonna keep working. Yeah, with I'll, I'll still be collaborating. There's a lot of other things that I'll be doing with Mayo, and hopefully, I'm planning to come back. Yeah, work. Great. So when forever. you're away, when you're away, when you were here for this last period, last time, uh, what was the food that you missed the most from South Africa? Well, um, that's a good question uh, because uh, first of all, before addressing that, you need to know. Um, there's a lot of different cultures in South Africa. Okay. Including food as well. But in, in I'm I'm Bedi, 
Your which wife? is I'm a baby, which is a different tribe in okay. South Africa. And our um, is that the one from the north where you? Yeah, the one from the north. And, and they, do they have their own language also? Yes, their that's Bedi. Bedi is the language, and is okay. Um, and this uh, that also with the neighbor and country? Zulus. Yeah, there's Zulus. Mm. There's causes like uh, our current president is Zulu. Okay. Nelson Mandela was Kosa. There's and Devele. There's different tribes, and and from the south, from the Bedi side, <laughs> our favorite food is. Bohobe, which is pap. It's what? We, we call it bohobe, bohobe, which is pap. It's like maize. We use maize meal to cook it. Okay. And then um, we eat it with meat. With mostly, meat? Mostly uh, okay. beef. And w- That's okay. our traditional. But if I were to say now what most people like in the whole of South Africa is oxtail. Oxtail? Yes. The soup? That's the favorite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had tried it before. Yeah. It's, it's very, good. very tasty. Yeah. Okay. Now, so when you're in South Africa, what is the American food that you crave or that you miss when you're back home? Um. Well, I have to be honest. When, when I've been in the States, I had difficulties with American food. Oh, yeah? And I tend to bring food from my country. Even the maize, Marlene, I was cooking. Yeah, but it had to be something. But I loved turkey this side. Turkey? I think it was my favorite. Oh. Obviously. And then um, the sticky rice. So that was more of my daily meal. Okay. Yeah, but I always favor yeah, my I never thought about turkey, but you're right. It's a lot of turkey. Yeah, I love turkey. A lot of dishes. But at home, we don't have it's not much common. of that turkey. Yeah. It's not okay. that common. I think I had it once or twice in my country before when I was a medical student. But here it's more of a daily uh, meat from. Great. Yeah. Well, Rosie, thank you for coming by and sharing with us this project that you're working uh, with the um, registry in South Africa and how it can be applied for other communities who, like you said, they're more vulnerable uh, and, and ideally catch those early you know before it's yeah. it's too late um when are you coming back and when you can share share stop by and share it again another project yeah I'll, I'll do that i've got another project that is going on but it's strictly on echo okay where i'm doing primary screening in school children do you have a, a twitter or email account where people who's listening they might be interested in your pr- uh work where can they contact you? Um, I think my email, my personal email. Okay. Um, I'll give you the email. It's Mamotab. It's M A M O T A B O M A T S H. Okay. At, I'm going to share here on the information. At gmail.com. So it's my first name and the first five letters of my last name at okay. gmail.com. So it's easier. All right. Yeah. So next time, well, I'll. Love to share with you um, the study on primary cardiac screening in children where we do echo because the problem is our kids have cardiac or abnormal cardiac structure which mm. are not detected and some die um, while at it's school or playing and stuff like that. So my advocacy is everyone in South Africa should have free cardiovascular assessment so that's the reason I'm bringing the echo aspect in. How's the health system in South Africa? Is it universal? Or who who gets access to? It's usually the middle and high class who, are, who get better access. It's not universal at the moment. Okay. Yeah, and 
like I said, the Midland Highlands, they have medical aids. Those are highly... Through uh, employer yeah. or... They mostly, yes, they are employed, most okay. of them. And those are the people who are living in, like, at urban areas. So the impoverished people or community I'm working with, they hardly know about medical aid. And none of them actually have an opportunity to see a doctor, mm. which is a problem. And I felt the projects I'm busy with, especially the primary cardiac screening in kids, will help us to detect um, a subclinical or asymptomatic cardiac structural heart disease in kids. I hope to, in the next few months, we'll see a pilot um, a, a paper on our pilot study that we, we're busy doing now. Thank you, Dr. Rossi, and, and congratulations on your work. And and like I, like I said, you're always welcome to come back and share, and, and I'm glad to see you again. Okay, thank All you right. so much. I want to invite everybody to please follow us on Twitter, on go find us on their community board. Also find us on Facebook on their community board. Go on SoundCloud and find us on their community board podcast. Also on iTunes on their community board podcast. And stay tuned for our next episode. And if you have something to share with the community, please contact us. And uh, we'll make sure that we have an open mic for you. Stay tuned. Bye-bye.